Storehouse Dallas. Um, all right, so this morning I'm going to uh, continue on prospering in the kingdom. This is the fourth in the series. I'm going to call this the building blocks of the kingdom. Um, I know that today is Pentecost, but I want to talk to you this morning about faith and I want to talk to you about money. Um, and at Pentecost, a very interesting thing happened. When the fire fell, there was a response from people. The response was um, they, they all got together as a family. And so they all had something in common. They all became brothers and sisters in Christ immediately. They all began to do life together, live in community. And then they all threw everything they had at the feet of the apostles there was a, a response, which was very interesting. It was a financial response. And so uh, they, 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 didn't, they did not regard because of what just happened in their hearts. They did not regard the things that they had as being their own. And so I, I just want to hit on that this morning. But go ahead and turn in your uh, Bibles to Romans 4, and we'll start there. Last week, I was really talking about faith, and I was talking about faith being the currency of the kingdom. Um, you know, the good news about the kingdom is when you seek the kingdom, the kingdom can be found by you. And so uh, the Bible tells us that we are to be like Bereans, and we're to search the scripture out for the truth. And the same thing goes with the kingdom. And, and if the Lord says, listen, I'm going to give everything else to you if you will seek the kingdom. I don't know about you, but I want everything else, right? I want it all. I want every single thing that God has for me this side of heaven, and I don't want to leave one thing behind. And you can call it competitive. You can call it selfish. I don't care. I am hungry for every single thing that God has for me, and I'm hungry for everything that God has for you. And so, um, all right, now I have to turn there. Okay, Romans 4, and um, this is about how uh, Paul was talking about the promises of God, because every single one of you have a list of things that God has promised to you. You want those promises to happen, right? How long have you, how many of you have had a delay on the promises of God? Would you raise your hand? Okay, so pretty much every single one of you, right? And so you have, you have a, a whole list of promises, but let me just encourage you in something. All of the promises that you know that you're believing God for, I want to tell you something. He actually has promises that you don't even know about yet. That as you begin to believe for these impossible things, he's going to throw you out to even a deeper place where you're going to believe him for even greater than that. It's like, oh, just wait, wait, wait. You think that's something. Wait until I show you that there's so much more than you can hope or imagine. Amen? All right, so let's start with um, verse 13. Chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise, say the promise, that he would be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law but through the righteousness of faith. Say, through the righteousness of faith. So the promise would come through the righteousness of faith. 
So he's saying, listen, your promise that God has made to you is not going to come by might nor by power. Your The promise that God made for you will not be by works, but it is going to be by faith and faith alone. And so he's saying that it was attributed to him righteousness because of his faith. So let's, let's continue on. Verse 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise of no effect. So what he's saying, listen, the promise would be made of no effect if Abraham had not believed. If Abraham had not believed God for the promise, and this is something that was completely impossible, never happened ever in the history of the world as he knew it. So he was having to believe something that was physically impossible, something that had never, ever happened before. And if you think about it from his natural mind, he's thinking to himself, man, I'm, I'm like 90 years old. I mean, I appreciate the fact you're going to bring me an heir, but I literally will not be able to pick him up. You know, I mean, I don't know about you, but when somebody tells me I'm going to have a baby at 90, that's not good news. I mean, I've got my four grandkids at the house and I'm in my fifties and I'm like, John and I are praying in tongues and we're like, grace, grace, grace. So you can about imagine how Abraham must have felt. You can have a promise, but it will not come to pass unless you believe. It's not about how much you work, but it's how much you believe. You're accessing heaven's resources through faith and not works. All right, let's carry on. Uh, Verse 16. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Verse 17, as it is written, I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him who believed God, who gives life to the dead. And calls those things which do not exist as though they did. So God is saying, listen, this is how hard this is going to be for you. I'm going to actually cause you to, um, I'm going to promise you things, but these things will not exist. They will not exist. And you will, you are going to be tested in a place of believing something that is so difficult for you to believe because it doesn't make sense to your mind. Your mind, your, your, your little mind cannot go there. Sorry. No offense. But the mind of God is so enormous and so vast. I was in the car the other day and I'm driving along and I'm thinking to myself, how foolish we must think I mean, how foolish we are, and I include myself in that, because I constantly think about how things are going to work out. Don't you? You know, you've got this idea, you've got the promise, you know, and you're like, okay, so this is how this is all going to go down. Or you've got the promise that you can't even believe the Lord for because you don't see, there's no way that's going to happen. The math doesn't work. And that's typically how we come to the conclusion because the math doesn't work for that to come to pass. But don't you know that none of us have created the human eye? 
we serve the greatest mathematician in all of the earth. We serve the greatest mathematician who calculated the algorithms perfectly so that the human body would function perfectly. So that the, the, the sun would rise every day and the moon would rise every day so that the stars would hang in the universe forever and ever. And in fact, the universe continues to multiply without any help from anyone. And so he's like, I, I really don't need your help to fulfill the things that I've called you to do. All you have to do is stand in faith and believe what I've told you. And so he says in verse 18, who contrary to hope in hope believed so that he became the father of many nations according to what was spoken. According to what? What was spoken. So, so, the, so God is speaking to him and he's saying, thus says me, Therefore, when you believe, it will be accounted to you as righteousness. That faith is the very road that you're going to walk in on into your promises. Contrary to hope. How many of you are in that place of contrary to hope? You are, we, are, we are in that place that contrary to hope in hope, he believed. Nothing, nothing, nothing in the natural will make any sense. You look at things and you say, you, you start making decisions based on, uh, on, the, on your calculator. Okay, this is what will work. This is what I can sustain. This is what I can afford. This is what I can. You make the list because the list gets really long because you see things according to the earth. You see things according to your checking account. You see things according to your natural abilities, but God doesn't see that way. He's saying, come up, come up, come up. And all you need to do is begin to agree with me, believe with me because I have greater things and I'm going to, I'm a supernatural God that's going to bring supernatural promises into your life. Amen? All right, verse 20. Abraham, he, did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced, say fully convinced, what God had promised, what he had promised, he was also able to perform. And so he's, so Abraham is looking at this and he's thinking to himself, look, I, I, there is no shadow of turning in this scenario, guys. That he is resolute, trustworthy, faithful to achieve everything that he has spoken. And the only thing he requires of you is when everything in your life says the opposite, you stand there for, and you do not move. And when I think of this, I want you to get a picture. I think about that scene in Wonder Woman. I think about that scene where she is being told by all of these people, it can't be done that way. 
It can't be done that way. No, 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 no. This is just the way it is. This is just the way it is. This is just the way war is. This is just the way armies operate. This is just the way it is. And she goes against that. And she said, no, I believe she knew the power of God. She knew the power that was on the inside of her. And she stood resolute in that place. And she ran into the battle believing one thing. And what it did is it caused everybody else to have courage. And and what is that saying? All it takes is for one man's spine to stiffen and that everybody else will run behind him in faith. It just takes one of you to begin to believe and run into the battle, run in to take ground for God saying, I believe everybody else get out of my way. Amen? Fully convinced. Abraham had more faith in God's power and willingness than his lack of strength, in his own personal lack of strength or his, his, his personal uh, body that was dying. He trusted God over his own abilities or lack of abilities, even though it made no sense in the natural. All right, so let's move on. Money, uh, God uses money as a barometer to see where our heart is. Because here's what he's looking for. He's testing us when it comes to money. Remember he says, test me in this to see if I will do this. But he's also testing us. Because money, he said, where your uh, money is, that's where your heart will be. I can, I can see the barometer. I can stick it. I can stick a barometer in your heart because I can look at the fruit of your life and how you handle your money. And that tells me where your heart is. It tells me what you believe. And he said that I believe and pretty much know because money is the closest thing to us, right? Money is something that defines us a lot of times. And money actually has its own identity, if you will. So you're either going to be a slave or a master to money. You're a, you're a master. If you have learned the kingdom and you tell your money what to do, you live in peace, achieving the vision and the call on your life. Or you are a slave eaten up by debt, filled with fear, waking in the middle of the night and constantly thinking about money with no freedom in your soul or enough time or money to achieve your kingdom vision. Amen. Hallelujah. So you've heard about the tithe, right? Okay, we're going to talk about that this morning. All right, so I want you to go ahead and turn in your Bibles to um, Malachi 3. Um, And we'll just hold that spot. So I know the church talks a lot about tithe. And I remember when I was first getting in the church and somebody would bring up tithe and John and I were making lots and lots of money living in the park cities, whatever, you know. And uh, they would they would talk about the you know the tithe we would tithe when we went to church and it would be like twenty five dollars every time and we were like okay we're tithing. <laughs> so there's this whole thing around money, but our hearts were all connected to money. Um. You know, the church talks about money, but I want to talk to you today because it's the primary place where faith is tested again. And it is, um, according to the word, it's the place where God says, again, that we can test him. Um, But here's what I want to tell you. And something that, uh, you know, being a pastor, you get to talk to a lot of people and you kind of get to see under the hood of the car. 
And, and I've been very um, surprised because John and I learned about the tithe early on. And I remember when we were pretty young Christians, we used to ask questions like, well, do we tithe on the net or do we tithe on the gross? You know, we're thinking, how much of this money can we keep? Right? I mean, that's, I mean, that was a legitimate concern of ours because we're like, I know how much money I need to pay my bills. And I know if I go, if I, if I tithe on that gross, whoo, it's going to be a real stretch. And then the Lord took us from kind of that attitude to really telling us, hey, hey, I want you to give um, um, twice the tithe. I want you to give 20% on the gross. And then he took us farther and he was like, I want you to tithe and I want you to start, you know, giving and sowing and sowing. And, you know, so, I mean, it just has been this incredible freedom that has come to our hearts. But I can tell you that when we first started off, there was no freedom in it. There was just gnashing of teeth. It was hard to let go of that money. Maybe we're just the only ones, but I don't know. Um, but here's the thing about tithe, and here's the thing that I learned. Um, tithe is not something that you can play with. Man, it is all over this book. Everybody's like, yeah, we're in the new covenant. We don't have to do that anymore. I'm like, yeah, well, good. good. Thanks for making that up because that's, that's basically a lie. And anybody that ever told you that, and if you ever ask anybody that's read this book, they will tell you that that's wrong. And so this is one of those areas you cannot make up your own doctrine. Sorry. Um, and here's the thing. Um, it's not a game. And, and, and so I've gone through the years and I've seen people, what they'll do is they'll say, well, I'm going to give the tithe here. Or I'm going to give the tithe there. Or I'm going to give the tithe the other place. No, no, no. We're going to go through and I'm going to show you in the word what it says about where to give the tithe, how to give the tithe, because a lot of us aren't experiencing the kind of promises around what it is when, when we're called to tithe, right? It's like, well, everybody says all these things are supposed to happen and I don't have anything happening. So hopefully today you will learn something about that. Because here's the truth. If you're going to prosper in the kingdom, you've got to get the money thing. You've got to get the money thing. Because you actually will learn faith through the money thing. I have faith to move mountains because I have seen so many financial miracles. Like I see money coming out of nowhere. It just appears out of nowhere, thin air. I have seen money just go poof. I mean, the God of the universe, you know, look, if people in the, new, in, the, in the New Testament, if they can be transported from one location to the other and disappear right in front of people, you think he can't make money appear? Come on, guys. All right. So why do we need to get the money thing? Here's why. Because money is an idol for most people. Why? Because money is power. Money is reputation. Money gives you influence. Money makes you popular. Money causes others to esteem you and respect you. Money solves problems. Money provides safety. Money is protection. Basically, money is a liar. And if you're looking for money to do something for you that God is supposed to be doing for you, then money is actually an idol. God says, if you love me, you will follow my commandments. And a lot of people believe that, again, the, the tithe doesn't apply anymore because we're under a new covenant. But Jesus himself spoke about the tithe 
and offerings in Matthew 23, 23, he said this, what sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the even the tiniest income from your herb gardens, but you ignore the more important aspects of the law, justice, mercy, and faith. You should tithe, yes, but do not neglect the more important things. And so he's saying to them, listen, we are called not only to lay a foundation in tithing, but we're also called to be generous and give above the tithe and begin to sow mercy, begin to sow justice, begin to sow these things not only spiritually, but also financially. The truth is, if you don't give tithes and offerings, there is a curse on your money. And a lot of you are under a curse, which is why you're not seeing the prosperity that has been promised to you. So let's look in Malachi, because he has something to say about this. Okay, let's start here. Um, Okay, so... um, the first thing that he says here, and, and, and I'll show it to you in a minute, but the first thing he says is that all the ties say all. All the ties come into the storehouse, okay? All the ties. So God said in ties and offerings, you are robbing me. He says this in verse 8, will a man rob God, yet you have robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house, and try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. And so what he's saying is that he wants to bless you, but because of your disobedience to his commandments, you have cut off his ability to bless you. And so therefore, by your own disobedience, you are under a curse. By your own disobedience, you are under a curse. And these are, if you'll look at them, a lot of these can be found in Deuteronomy chapter 28. You can see that a lot of these curses about, hey, you're bringing seed into your garden, but, but what you're reaping is very little because of how you've handled your resources, because you're not obedient to the tithe. And here's the thing about the tithe is that the tithe, if you think about it, it started right after Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel. And so they taught them about giving first fruits at that time. And they, that's how they knew to get, to bring in a sacrifice offering to the Lord because Adam and Eve taught them about it. And it says, the Lord says, I received and the, the, um, the blessing and the offering from Abel because his was a first fruits offering. But with Cain, it says that he gathered out of his abundance, right? Or whatever. It's like an overflow. Do you know anybody that ever says, well, I'll tithe, but I'll tithe when I get some money. And you're like, okay, well, what are you talking about? Well, I can't afford to tithe right now. Dude, let me tell you what, you can't afford not to tithe right now. The reason you have no money is because you're not tithing. Amen? So it's, so here's the thing. That word um, um, to receive, uh, it says that God says he respected Abel's first fruit offering. Respect means that the eyes of, of God 
were on him for favor. So the eyes of favor were looking on Abel, and he was so pleased with him. I don't know about you, but I want the eyes of favor to be on me. Amen? All right, so it says to bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Where? So number one, it says give 10% of your earnings. Number two, it says where? Into the storehouse. Not multiple storehouses. Now, I'm going to challenge you on this because I have several friends who are like, well, I'm going to decide where I'm going to give because I have several people that I've submitted myself to. Beloved, let me tell you something. God is very clear. You have one home church. You have one place that you call family. And I've seen people do it other ways, but I've seen that there's a curse on their finances and there's no true freedom and the Lord's wanting to increase them, but there's no ability. Let me tell you a great testimony. And also it says, bring all your tithe, all your tithe. How much? All your tithe, right. And even in Genesis 14, when Abram fought and won all the goods from the five kings, he runs into Melchizedek, who was a pre-incarnate Christ. Bear with me here. Pre-incarnate Christ. And, and what happened is he responds, and, it, and the word says that he gave 10% of all the goods that he took from those five kings. Guys, this is before the law. This is before he was even commanded to do it. It is a principle that, is, that God has set in the earth for us to follow. All right, so I want to tell you a great testimony. We have some dear friends, and they, they don't go to our church. They go to another church, and they have been struggling financially for years. And they're these mature Christians, like generationally. They're like third-generation, charismatic, spirit-filled, know the word, read the word, do the word kind of Christians. And they come to us, and John and I are having dinner with them, and they said, you know, we just can't get financial breakthrough. I mean, this guy went to, you know, like Harvard. I mean, he went to a really good college and there should be, it makes sense that he would have, wouldn't have such a burden financially. And so I said, well, okay, well, let's pray. And so we were praying and the Lord gave me a vision and he showed me that the door to the treasury of heaven was actually bolted shut. And uh, then I saw a, I saw an invitation coming to them and the invitation was in the form of a tithing envelope. And so I said, now they don't go to my church, so I don't know what their situation is. And so I said, this is what I'm seeing. Are you guys tithing? And they said, oh, no, well, well, you know, tithe really doesn't work. That doesn't work. And John stepped up and he said, uh, that's the word of God. The word of God always works. And they said, well, we are giving our money to all of these ministries, and, and, but we're not tithing. And, and John said, brother, <laughs> if you want this thing to break open, first, you need to repent for robbing God. And second, you need to sow your seed. And they said, but here's the thing. We don't have that much money every month to sow. And he said, you got to step out. John was just so, he was so adamant with this sweet couple. And so they said, okay, we're going to do this. They repented. We prayed with them. And so they sowed their seed for the first time. Guys, mature Christians. They sowed their, their, their tithe at their church Sunday. Fast forward to Tuesday, 
and the guy is called into his boss's office and given a spontaneous raise that was significant. It was like 25% increase in their income. I'm telling you, beloved, this works every time. And Rob Hatch was going to come up, and he was going to give a great testimony as well. Yeah, right now. Come on, brother. Hi. Well, um, I don't know, about 18 months ago, Tracy, well, it was when we were kind of getting the, the stuff done for the building, so the end of the building project. We're about to come in here, and, and we had dinner with John and Tracy one night, and, and what we had been doing, we had been gone from the storehouse for about three years, and we had started giving uh, to some, some friends of ours who were part of the House of Prayer. And so we, uh, we were sewing in, into them. And, and so as we started moving into this building project, uh, you know, we knew that the Lord was calling us uh, into ministry here at the storehouse. And, and Tracy just kind of sat down with us, John and Tracy, one night and said, listen, she said, I really want you guys to participate in, in what the Lord's doing with us. Um, but we just I want to challenge you in this area of the tithe. And so, you know, of course, my, I started to manifest. Uh, <laughs> because, listen, I give. I'm a cheerful giver. I've always been a cheerful giver. And so um, she started uh, challenging me. And, of course, I was, you know, gnashing of teeth, like she said earlier. But um, so I just said, okay, we're going to do it. And so we started to, to give. I had to call those people and say, listen, we're not going to be able to give to you anymore. And it was hard for them because we were giving a significant amount to them. You know, if you're a missionary and you're getting a certain amount of money every month, it's important to you. And it was, it was, it was tearing their, our, both of our hearts. And, but we did what the Lord said. And so all of a sudden, we started just uh, every month uh, with the tithe and uh, into Storehouse specifically. And I kid you not, guys, since then, my income has increased by 60%. I was looking at it this morning, and God even challenged me to, to give in such a way where the IRS wouldn't even know about it, because he's saying, that's going away, and this 501c3 thing's going away, and is your heart going to be ready for it? And so he started doing that, and then even this week with Lindsay and I, he started challenging us in a new way about Ananias and Sapphiras total accountability with finances. So he's asked us to, you know, to get really totally accountable. But even last two weeks ago, I got a raise. And I'm like, it, it, Lindsay, it can't, it, these things come out of nowhere. And it's, you know, is it easy every month? Absolutely. I mean, I've taught two courses of Dave Ramsey. You know, I've taught it twice. And, you know, it's sometimes it's like still faith. But you know what? There's a peace there. There's a, uh, a real peace there that the Lord has put in our hearts. And a f we feel protected. We feel like, you know, even we know that the enemy is going to come against our finances because he wants to and he's going to desire to. And that's he wants to take you out. But we have a peace. And so I just I just thank you for challenging me that day. And life has changed dramatically since then. So, amen. All right. Thank you, Rob. Everybody else is like, don't go to dinner with John and Tracy. 
Yes. So see, the truth is I actually know people that don't go to church because they don't want to tithe. They're believers. I know people that watch church online because they don't want to tithe because they're like, I don't want to give my money. I don't want to whatever. They've got a kind of a thing about money and they don't understand. God's like, no, 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 no. You really, really, really want to do this because the truth is God really doesn't need your money. I mean, he makes money appear out of nowhere. Trust me. He can, he can give a dream to a billionaire who will write a check, you know, or he can do it however he wants to do it. He does not need our money. You need to give your money into the kingdom because what it does is it helps it change jurisdictions and it takes it from an earth curse system into a kingdom blessed system. Come on. That's right. All right, so Malachi 3.10 is an invitation for more than you can hope or imagine. Wow, that's an incredible promise. But most people stop there and then they complain that, well, the tithe doesn't work for me. Right? The tithe doesn't work because I'm not seeing that kind of result. All right, well, let me challenge you. So let's continue to read in verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Okay, so the Lord is talking about this. He's saying, listen, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bless you. So, so, uh, so first thing I'm going to do with the tithe is I'm, the tithe is like chicken wire around your garden. How many of you have ever tried to plant a garden, but you didn't have a boundary? It doesn't work. You've got to have a boundary to plant a garden. My husband knows that. Okay, so, so you get that chicken wire out, that's your tithe. You're creating a foundation and a place to sow a seed. But offerings are seeds that are above the tithe. And it's the place where you're going to sow into your, into your garden so that your garden can begin to be uh, lush and plush and, and prosperous. Does that make sense? Which is why Jesus said, you got to do both in Matthew 23, 23. He's saying to the Pharisees, he's like, look, you guys are hypocrites because you're just giving the tithe, but you're actually neglecting teaching the people about, about the offerings that are over the tithe where they can begin to truly prosper. Because he said, my kingdom is a kingdom of abundance. And when you seek the kingdom of heaven, everything's going to be given to you, including money. Oh, da baba. Okay. So, tithe itself will not prosper you. You have to ask yourself, and I'm asking you this question, what are you growing? What are you growing in your garden? Have you planted the seeds? Do you know how to plant a seed? Do you know how to sow a seed in order to reap a harvest? Most of the body of Christ doesn't, and I can tell you that just because I've seen some of what's happening, and I also know that if you saw the, the benefit, you would be running to the offering boxes going, I've got to throw, how, where can I sow a seed? Where can I, where can I sow a seed? Because I realize that seed is going gonna, is gonna to garnish me a great and mighty harvest. Uh, Barna did a study in 2014, and it found that the majority of Christians don't tithe. Majority, okay? There's a lot that do, praise the Lord. But they found that there is so much wealth in the Christian church that it's actually uh, as much of a wealth as a nation standing alone in the Christian church. And they said, if all Christians 
would just tithe, I'm not even talking about the offerings, then we could fulfill the Great Commission in one year. I hope that convicted some of us because I don't know about you, but there is a lost world out there that is dying to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. But most churches' hands are tied because they're just trying to figure out how they're going to pay their rent. And this is not the kingdom that we are called to live in. Amen? As I say to all my kids, all right, everybody gets to participate. You go do the dishes, you grab the vacuum, you you grab the, you know, everybody gets to participate. All right. So I want to tell you a great testimony. John and I, um, we were learning this, and, and, and John had started his business um, years and years and years ago. And uh, we were like, okay, we're going to leave the corporate world and the security of the corporate world, and we're going to go out on our own because we felt like that was, that's what the Lord was saying. And so when we were not making any money, we didn't have any income, so we weren't tithing on something that we didn't have, right? But we also weren't giving. So we weren't, there were no offerings. There was nothing that we were sowing in order to reap a harvest, okay? So this is going to challenge some of you, but bear with me. And so what happened is that over time, we were waiting for the breakthrough. We were waiting for the breakthrough. We knew that the Lord had spoken and we're standing on the word, but yet we're just seeing a lot of, uh, you know, when you've got seven kids and you have a certain lifestyle, man, that money goes out the door real fast. <laughs> You're like, just burning it. There it goes. Oh, it's only happening one way, baby. So anyway, so we get to like the end. We get to the end. How many of you have been there? Come on. Raise your hand. I know, right? You get to the end and you're like, got this little bitty bit left in your checking account. It's like, okay, it's time to pray. We've been praying, but nothing's really happening. So it's like time to really pray. So we're just pressing in. We're pressing in. It's like we're on our knees. We're before the Lord. We're literally crying with tears. Oh, help us, God, because we don't know how we're going to eat next week kind of thing, you know? And, um, so we just had this little bit of money left. And, um, so I heard the Lord say, I want you to sow that money. I want you to sow that money. I want you to believe me for John's business. I want you to sow that money. And I was like, yeah, could you give that talk to John? Because I really, you know, it's kind of like, don't shoot the messenger kind of thing. It's like, so honey. And John is so, he's so responsible and he's so, uh, faithful you know, he's a faithful provider. Guys, come on. You know, you're like, I got to take care of my family. And so he was just feeling that really strongly. And so I said, hey, honey, this is what I feel like the Lord is saying. <laughs> and he was like, no, it's my responsibility to pay for, to take care of my family. I'm not giving that money up. And so I remember going to church and and and, and that Sunday and, and and the Lord just had a message right for him and just hit him right between the eyes. And he said, oh, okay, let's write the check. We wrote the check right there. We emptied out our checking account with no plan B. And just believing the Lord, two days go by. And, and, and let me tell you, we sowed a very, very small amount. You know, seven kids that wouldn't have even put dinner on the table. So we sowed this little amount. And, um, and then two days later, the Lord breaks in. He gets a call from somebody and says, hey, I need you to do this deal. By the end of the week, he had $7,000 in his account. 
And his business took off from there. Let me tell you what, you cannot go wrong with this kind of life. Now, I personally was like, well, I wish I would have heard that like, like, you know, the jet skis before the boat, <laughs> the car. But it was, it was God's timing. And God was really teaching us something about sowing and reaping and the truth of what happens in his kingdom. So again, we've got to be like spiritual scientists or like Bereans. And we've got to figure out that this works all the time. And these are keys that I'm giving you. Um, so second, you know, in the offerings, the offering is the seed that you sow in your field so that the windows of heaven will open up over you. The, it, the offerings is where you're going to see the real multiplication. It's not really in the tithe. The tithe is really um, just to protect um, uh, your, your garden. It's to keep your garden safe. It's to, to protect your garden. But the true multiplication is come in sowing um, the offerings. Um. When you win, and here's the beauty of an offering. See, when you give an offering, what you're doing is you're actually taking money and you're changing jurisdictions from the kingdom of this age into the kingdom of heaven where God can take it and supernaturally pour it back down into you, okay? And so um, what you want to do is, number one, you want to ask the Lord, where do I sow the seed? Because the Lord's going to tell you where to sow the seed because the seed is, is it could be like there's a great opportunity to sow the seed into the, um, into the sprinklers. Now, what is that? That's not your offering. That's a seed. That's an, I mean, that's not your tithe. That's an offering above, this, above your tithe, which means that God is saying, here's a great opportunity for you, and I'm not pitching this, but whenever an opportunity shows itself, you've got to run to that. Because what will happen is if you know how to sow your seed, because every seed will reproduce after. Right. So if I sow a car, I'm going to get a car, right? Okay, so there was a time when I didn't have a car, and I needed a car. And so I said, Lord, I'm going to sow $400, which was a real stretch for me. I'm going to sow $400, and I'm going to believe you for a car. Now, did I just say a car? No. I wrote down specifically, exactly everything that I wanted in this car. I mean, I was very descriptive, and I sowed the seed for the car. Three months go by. Somebody calls me up and they said, I want to give you this $40,000 brand new car and it have every single thing that was on my list. Now, how hard did I have to work for that car? I didn't. I didn't. I, I had to believe that when I sowed the seed, I was fully convinced. I saw that car in the spirit. And I sowed a seed, I stood on the word, and I said, thank you, Lord, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and I know how to participate in the kingdom. So then I got the car, and then years go by, and I sowed that car. I sowed that car. You know, if you sow a car, you can get a car, okay? I'm telling you, right? You sow fish, you get fish. You sow bread, you get bread. You sow a car, you can ask the Lord for a car. So I asked the Lord for a car because I need another car. And so I'm like, Lord, and I have again, I have the list. And so I'm sowing and I'm like, Lord, remember the car, remember the car. So all I have to do is, you know, is I stand in that place and I continue to believe and I continue. If I close my eyes, guess what I can see? I can see my car. 
I know without a shadow of a doubt, there's no shadow of turning, okay? I know without a shadow of a doubt, that car is coming in. There are things that I know right now that are so supernatural, and a lot of it has to do with y'all. I believe, not just for me, but I believe for y'all, because the Lord has shown me some things that he prepared for you. Okay, so that's the first thing. Where do I sow the seed? The second thing, the second key to this is you thank the Lord for the seed, just like Jesus did when he was multiplying food. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this food. The third thing, uh, as I told you, you've got to name the seed. In other words, you have to tell the seed what to reproduce. And here's the thing about that is that seed is money, right? The, the Bible tells us that seeds are two things, money and words. All right, so you have to name the seed, okay? Uh, the, the beauty of money is that money can be whatever you tell it to be. So you've got a seed that can actually be transformative. You sow it, but you have to sow it as you want it to reproduce. Does that make sense? You're looking at me like I'm crazy, but I'm not crazy. And I'm telling you, it works 100% of the time. Now, you may be saying to yourself, uh, this sounds like a form. No, I didn't design the kingdom. God designed the kingdom. But he designed the kingdom. And guys, I'm telling you, it is heavenly math. You got to get a hold of this algorithm instead of your one plus one equals two. I mean, you can keep toiling and sweating and waking up in the middle of the night worried and, and anxious about how you're going to pay your bills. Or you can listen to what I'm telling you because this is what the word says. Believers are not called to be poor. He made himself poor so we could be rich. What does that word rich mean? It means rich. Why? So you can feed the poor. So you can teach them about the kingdom. So they can be rich. Come on. And, and then everybody's like, I don't know what they're doing, but I'm going to follow them because they live in a kingdom that provides for them. All right. So when I say name the, the seed, here's the thing about naming the seed. You have to tell the seed what to reproduce. In other words, you have to be specific. Lord, I am believing you for three more accounts. Before, and put a date down. Put a date down. Listen, talk to him like you would a, a friend. Okay, what are we going to believe for? Lord, what can I believe for? And he always tells me things and I go... Yeah, that doesn't, I don't, I'm not sure that's ever going to happen. I mean, I'm looking around at my life right now, and that's like an impossibility. But he's saying, will you believe me for this? Will you believe me for this, Katie? Will you believe me for this, Rob? Will you believe me for this, Sharon? It will be impossible, but you got to write it down. All right, the other thing you could believe him for, let's say accounts receivable with X, Y, and Z company. Lord, I need those to come in. I'm going to sow a seed so that these things will begin to come back in. And so you're sowing a seed for harvest. Um, you may need to sow a seed for more human resources for a particular department, but be specific. Guys, I have even sown a seed that someone I know would get revelation of the kingdom. And guess what happened? They got revelation of the kingdom. I know, I know. We should start sowing seeds for salvation. How's that sound? Yeah. Come on, sow a seed for a city. Woo! We'll have a we'll have a drive. All right, number four. That was number three. Name the seed. Number four. Be in faith. This is not a ritual. You are not paying a bill. What it is is it's faith. And so, if you can see it, you can have it. If you can see it, you can have it. All right. So, I want everybody right now. Close your eyes. All right, if I say vanilla ice cream, what do you see? 
All right, right. Now, when the Lord speaks to you and he says something to you, you have to allow it to be made manifest in the spirit and in your imagination. You have got to take ownership in the spirit so that you can be fully convinced and you've got to meditate on it. You have to say, all right, Lord. And this is like, this is not, this is not, okay. Now let me just say this. During the 80s, there was this whole faith movement, and they kind of twisted this. But the Lord is saying, will you believe me for the greater works, Sharon? Will you believe me for the greater works? And so he's going to start to talk to you and share with you the evidence of this, and you're going to start to see it. And so you're going to start believing him for these things, and then you're going to start to see those kinds of things come to pass because you're fully convinced that that's your inheritance. Wow, I said all of that without taking a breath. Woo! Yeah, those exercise classes are paying off. <laughs> all right. Are y'all still with me? Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen in the natural. All right, it doesn't say in the natural, but that's basically what they mean. So faith is a substance of things hoped for. This is also what Paul was talking about in Romans. There is a substance that a lot of you need to get a hold of. You need to grab hold of that substance. You need to let your imagination go. Because a lot of you have limited yourself by what you can achieve in your own strength. You're looking at stuff and going, uh, you're doing multipliers going, well, if I do this, and, and a lot of you have dumbed down your life because you ha haven't allowed yourself to imagine for those things that are impossible. I can tell you right now that I am believing God for some things that don't make sense at all. They make absolutely no sense, but I'm pressing in on God saying, I want to go the distance. Let me believe you for this. Let me believe you for this. And so I start doing things like driving around the neighborhood, looking for real estate to build my next house on. And I'm looking for properties that are in the million dollar. And I know I'm going to tear that house down and I know I'm going to build another house. Why? Because I've seen it in the spirit. It doesn't make any sense in the natural, but I've seen it in the spirit. And a lot of you may be saying, well, you don't need a million dollar house. I'm sorry. Have you seen my family? But, but, but the truth is there is no limit in heaven's resources. Why would I ask for a small little hovel when I serve the king of kings? I should have everything in my heart. And when everybody, when I invite all of you over to my new house, we will be even giving glory to God, right? Come on. And we'll be playing volleyball in my backyard again. So in summary, God wants to prosper us in the kingdom, but we have to understand how to function in his kingdom so we can be successful and bring glory to his name and thrive in our callings as sons and daughters, right? We thrive in our callings as sons and daughters, which mean I'm not worried about where the money's going to come from. I don't worry how I'm going to get to the vision that God has given me because he's going to provide the vision because I know how to operate in the kingdom and I know how to call that thing that's in the future to the present. Okay? 
Um, we have access to promises through faith, and we do uh, as he commands with our money, and it unlocks these heaven's resources. Doesn't that sound like good news? Now, that's a good news that you could preach to the poor, and they'll get on board. Whenever I say this to poor people, they don't, they don't go, oh, yeah, no. They go, hallelujah, praise the Lord, we're going to do it. And then they start doing it, and it starts working for them. It's the middle class that you have a problem with. <laughs> 